so much great Advertising Week content, so little time. Snackable AI is now helping you navigate podcasts like this one, event sessions, and other content with chapters, topic tags, and more. Find the insights that matter to you faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai. On this episode of the AW360 Podcast, I speak with David Anderson and Julian Jacobs, partners and co-heads of entertainment and culture marketing at UTA. It was almost exactly one year ago that I last spoke with David and Julian on the eve of Advertising Week New York, and it was great to have them back to discuss what's new in their fascinating corner of the industry. We discuss how an ad-supported Netflix impacts the broader industry, the creator economy, and how Web3 and the metaverse play a role in the globalization of entertainment. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the AW360 podcast. It's been forever, yet it doesn't seem like forever at all. How are you both? We're great, Richard. How you doing? Thanks for having us. Hi, Richard. Really nice. Uh, really nice to be here. Uh, I think a, a year, a year to the date almost from uh, from our last conversation. So I, I know we have a lot to talk about. So excited to uh, to be here and jump in. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that um, you were, I, I think I, I lavished you both with the praise of you sound like you have the best job in the industry, the best jobs in the industry. Um, I assume that's still the case because so much has transpired in the past year. All of it, it feels to me, and this is, you know, as somebody in the industry, but also as a consumer of nonstop content. It feels like now more than ever, your jobs would have gotten nothing but better. I hope. <laughs> Tell me what's been going on in the past year w- with you both. Yeah, well, I think as an industry, one of the one of the things, and I think you're correct. I think that we are incredibly fortunate to to have the the opportunity that we do to help you know leverage the UTA platform on behalf of some of the most you know prolific brands in the world. Everybody from the General Motors and Google to Delta Airlines, and and we've you know continued to have great success in doing that. I think an important element this past year really as an industry uh, has been the ability to come back together in person, you know, from uh, our time in Ken Lyons over the summer to what we expect to be a a pretty significant turnout of the industry, uh, both next week in New York at Advertising Week, but certainly uh, the following week at the A&A conference. It's, uh, I think it was a a missing piece uh, of our business for for a period of time, and, and we're really excited to be back. Um, you know, on the UTA front, it's been a, a pretty incredible year. Obviously, we were excited to, to have the conversations we did at Advertising Week last year, really focused on uh, the creator economy. And as you kind of fast forward over the course of uh, the past 12 months, UTA has made a number of really meaningful investments and in kind of expansions of the business, you know, most notably uh Right at the end of the year, we made the acquisition of the strategic advisory firm MediaLink, which you know really just gives us a continued level of access and, and sort of influence uh, across the, the world of marketing and advertising. Um, over the summer, we brought on a new private equity partner in EQT, which is one of the largest private equity firms in the world, uh, to really continue to help fuel our growth and, and expand. And then, you know, most recently, the acquisition of Curtis Brown, which is the, the largest was the largest independent talent agency in the UK. So we've really um, 
you know, double down, I think, on our advisory practice with brands. And then we've also really, you know, made a meaningful sort of footprint in the international markets. And I think that's a, a reflection of, you know, some of the vision of UTA, which is, you know, the world and, and certainly the, the marketing, advertising and content landscape is becoming more and more global. And we think that brands are going to continue to play a, a, a greater role um, in that, a, a more direct role, I, I would rather say. Sounds like you've been extraordinarily busy. And by comparison, I feel like I've done absolutely nothing now. Thanks. Um, <laughs> you know, let's let's dive into the the globalization part of it. I, I think it's it's fascinating that you know we're we've been connected globally for a long time now. You know, I mean, it's you know a couple decades, but it's become more and more meaningful in recent years with entertainment. I think being kind of at the forefront of really demonstrating how connected we all are. What does that look like, and and what does globalization really mean when it comes to both the 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 B two B side, but also you know kind of the content output side? I think we've all seen examples over the past you know year or two of incredibly compelling stories that are emerging from all over the world that are are frankly you know garnering attention that uh, i would certainly think you know a decade ago is probably unimaginable you know a, a show like squid game on netflix which i think perhaps to date is either the number one or, or number two i forget exactly where it sort of netted, netted out you know most viewed show and i think that that's an example of something where you know we would never have expected that but but I think that that is just one of many examples of of global content that's really being discovered and you know interpreted not in a way of you know oh that's a foreign language film or that's something unique and special but rather it's incredibly compelling and entertaining content and I think that as we um, as we look at the work that brands are doing in the content space. Um, you know, I think that brands are thinking much more about if we're going to participate in the content landscape in a meaningful way, how do we think about leveraging that not in a, a territory by territory way, but rather if we create something really compelling or we participate in something really compelling and we distribute that on a platform that has, you know, a level of global scale and reach, you know, we can significantly gain significant efficiency in sort of what we do. And I think that's a real shift from you know decades ago where perhaps a brand would create a program and they do a time buy on a on a broadcast network in the in a specific market i think we've really evolved and i think it's both a challenge and the opportunity for the industry to really understand how all of these puzzle pieces fit together um and and how how do i make you know safe but really progressive bets in you know, getting my stories out there in the world uh, on a on a global basis. I think, Richard, too, the the proliferation of streaming services and and what's that and the Squid Game effect all over the world, if you will, as a result of these platforms being more global and more accessible in different markets and bringing different stories from all over the world to different places, as David was talking about. I think also just look at what's happening in sort of the music and, and talent space. Um, you know, UTA is, is fortunate to work with the artist Bad Bunny, who, you know, uh, is, I think just had the, the highest or second highest grossing tour in the U.S. of all time and is an artist from outside the U.S. And I think if you look at other stars and, and what's happening with the globalization of talent, 
in, in the cross-pollination of, of creators from different marketplaces, uh, it's a really exciting time. Um, and, you know, we're seeing more and more brands trying to figure out how to tap into the globalization uh, effect that whether it's content or these creators can help them achieve. You know, you, you mentioned uh, Netflix. And we, we, we all know that without Netflix, there probably was no Squid Game. With no Squid Game, well, I don't have my daughter asking for a Squid Game costume that she's not going to get for Halloween because she's never seen the show. Um, but, you know, that aside, there, there's a lot of hype around the impending arrival of a Netflix ad-supported tier. Mm-hmm. How does that influence, I, I think, over the industry, but also your place in the industry? We've been working with Netflix for, I think, almost six years when we we really created what, what was kind of the first partnership between a brand and Netflix where you know, Lyft partnered with Stranger Things season two and created a really fun and compelling both experience but sort of content narrative. And so we've we've been involved in in partnerships like that, including you know the new Coke uh, or launch around season three, and we continue to work with them in that capacity. So we've we really I think had a front row seat to the evolution, and I think it's exciting. I think that you know to the extent that consu- I think giving consumers choice and allowing them to choose you know a lower price you know subscription fee in exchange for. Um, you know, having an advertising experience that we hope will be, you know, less interruptive and, and you know, compelling, we think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've actually been thinking a lot about, and Julian and I have been speaking a lot about um, one of the one of the sort of key offerings that we've always had is really helping as we think about how can brands work more directly with creators. Part of that need was based on the reality that we're, there were just certain places and certain platforms where, you know, ads, traditional advertising just didn't exist. And so we've helped a number of brands as I mentioned, Lyft and Coke and others, you know, think through how can they participate and show up in those worlds. And while the ad supported tier launch, I think will will offer a meaningful opportunity. One of the questions that we've been talking a lot about is, you know, one, it's not as if the entire Netflix audience will instantly be available for ads. In fact, it will likely be, you know, a, a small subset, which, you know, could certainly grow over time, but there will always be a group of consumers who are going to continue to choose to pay, you know, a higher subscription price in exchange for a, a ad-free experience. Um, I think we can all pretty much agree that that will likely ha- occur. And so then the question becomes one, how large is that audience over time in the ad supported tier? And two, how, what do those demographics look like? You know, everybody's wanted this Netflix audience. And, you know, I don't think we know because it hasn't launched yet. What will that audience composition look like? Will it be younger? Will it be less affluent? Will it be more diverse? Will it be less, you know, will it be, you know, gravitated around certain, you know, geographies, both, you know, domestically and globally? I think those are all really important questions for brands um, to start to understand. But I think we sort of go back to where our practice and our belief, which is, we continue to believe that creating incredibly compelling stories uh, in partnership with with creators is going to always sort of future proof, uh, you know, that that situation. I also I would just add, Richard. I think that uh, I think the latest public news uh, came out, you know, a couple of days ago about Netflix uh, bringing in double verify and integral ad science to uh, 
help provide ad viewership to their new advertisers. And, you know, I think the advertising industry's insistence that Netflix provide transparency in viewership data is in Netflix seemingly saying, okay, guys, we get it, is a, a really exciting sign about for Hollywood, who historically has been shut out of data from Netflix. Uh, it's a really exciting time, uh, I think, as these worlds come together and, you know, platforms are going to have to be more transparent in their data if they want to work with brands, um, not from a, just a traditional advertising perspective, but in any capacity. So I think it's a we'll see what comes next, but I'm excited about it. Excellent. Well, my hat's off to you both for the uh, your involvement with Stranger Things. I'm a huge fan. And you know, it was not lost on me that the new Coke thing was about as brilliant a move as I've seen. And surprisingly so, you know, being that it's obviously a a brand associated with Netflix and, and one of their shows like that, where, you know, normally you, you just wouldn't see that. Um, speaking of what's next and what we think is next, let's talk a little bit about Web3 and the metaverse. You know, yesterday I was um, sitting there with my finger on the buy button, not quite ready to to commit to, you know, there's a, a new MetaQuest Pro coming out. You know, there's all kinds of rumors of, you know, Apple headsets and all of that. So we're on the verge of a new era, I think, in, in devices and in content consumption. What are your thoughts on the metaverse, both now and in the future? And how important is that going to be to, to your business? I think it's going to be uh, critically important to all of our businesses. I think it's just a beat early and everyone's still trying to figure it out. Um, you know, I think some of the latest, as we think about brands and the opportunity for marketers, I think some of the latest uh, uh, big brands that have entered the space and you know, some of the press has said, oh, they've, they got it right. The Coke uh, activation, Nike, Gucci, I think even Walmart's entrance into Roblox a couple of weeks ago, I think have been hailed as innovative and exciting entrance into Web3 and Metaverse. Um, and I, I think people are still testing and learning and trying to figure it out. You know, I, I'm excited to, to see how brands enter into Web3 and the Metaverse through the lens of impact, you know, I think a lot of, well, while a lot of the brand activations to date have been exciting and innovative in ways, they sort of feel a bit stunty in my opinion. Uh, and, and I think there's still a big opportunity for brands to really take their purpose into the metaverse and sort of create good and impact in communities. And I think we've seen some examples of that. You know, we worked with L'Oreal in December to create this incredible program supporting uh, female voices within the world of Web3. But, you know, there's been some other great examples, but I think there's huge opportunity and I think we're still in the test and learn phase. David, anything to add? No, I think that that's spot on. I think, um, you know, if we look back to, um, you know, innovation and, in, in, you know, entertainment, for, which is really what the metaverse is. I mean, it's sort of this new frontier of, of consumer engagement. It's an opportunity to, to explore worlds, to, you know, create, you know, your own persona, whether it's sort of um, real or, you know, fictional, whatever the case may be. I think if you compare it to social media, I mean, all brands, of course, when, when the Facebooks and, and MySpace and these other social platforms really started to gain scale, 
obviously they all jumped in, in in different ways and different shapes. And I think if you were to look back at how brands leverage social media today versus, you know, let's call it, you know, 10, even frankly, 15 years ago, it's radically different. And, and I think that the, I don't think it's so much about experimentation today. I think it's really about this sort of convergence of, of on the platform side, you know, whether we're speaking about, you know, the Roblox and, uh, and platforms like that, or of course, Meta and, you know, the other sort of social platforms that have articulated a commitment to the, the metaverse. Um, you sort of have them and them building their technology and helping to think through what that could look like. And then you have, you know, the consumer side, which is really um, evolving based on lots of inputs in, in sort of media and entertainment and culture, um, starting to develop an understanding of like, what do they want the experience to be? And I think as those two worlds come together, you know, we'll start to probably see a little bit more clarity around truly um, where this is going. And But, you know, I think to Julian's point, I think it's incredibly exciting. I think it's a place that brands need to be, you know, thinking about and be aware of. And, and I, I would encourage, and certainly we're encouraging our clients, um, you don't necessarily have to jump in and, and, you know, do these splashy, stunty things, but you certainly can be thoughtful about it and you can experiment where it makes sense. And, and when we feel like we have the right purpose and, and the right sort of uh, reason, you know, we, we think leaning in will be, uh, can be a really compelling experience. And, and what about on the talent side? What is the excitement and sort of buzz around the metaverse and the opportunities it presents on that side? I mean, we've seen, you know, concerts in Fortnite and, and things of that nature. Is there a, a world in which I am, you know, going to a Bad Bunny show in my headset or, you know, whatever my device is, but then turning around and, you know, hanging out courtside with Jack Nicholson watching the Lakers? Is that something that's you know right around the corner are they eager for that or are they kind of doing a little wait and see well i mean in a way i think it's here i think you know when you, when you shared uh yeah the the bad bunny example i mean you know when marshmallow partnered with fortnite which i think was you know two and a half or, or maybe even three years ago yeah um, that you know broke every expectation for you know the audience the scale and size of the audience um, as well as the audience engagement, right, which is obviously an important factor for monetization. Um, and I think that that from a technology perspective, um, it was a really seamless experience, meaning it felt and sounded. And if you had, you know, your your device hooked up to real audio, whether headphones or speakers, you had a, a legitimate experience of hearing Marshmallow performing live. And, I, and so I think it's already here. So there's no question on the musical performance side that um, that we'll see more of that because I think it's been proven to work and that the economics have been proven to, to be there, right? It, it's not just about, um, you know, putting a lot of time and energy into something that ultimately doesn't pan out. Um, I think, you know, some other entertainment mediums, certainly, you know, film and television, you know, I. I don't think we've necessarily cracked that. I haven't necessarily heard in the halls of UTA uh, a television writer wanting to like launch their TV concept in in a metaverse type environment. But I know that people are thinking about it and people are trying to understand, uh, you know, partially based on the technology that the various platforms develop. You know, is that a future opportunity? And and if so. Um, what would that start to look like and, and how do I position myself as being a, a creator who who can you know operate in that context? 
I think there's still a bunch of rights issues as well, Richard, that I think is kind of holding back uh, some of what you're talking about in terms of going into the metaverse <laughs> and not just watching a Bad Bunny concert, but turning around and being courtside next to Jack Nicholson in a Laker game. Uh, you know, Amazon's got Thursday night football and they've got that exclusively. And, you know, I, I'm sure there are conversations behind the scenes at the NFL about how do we, you know, tease some of our content or air some of our content in these virtual worlds. But I think the uh, there's still some monetization and rights issues that are kind of holding us back from entering that next phase. Well, it's it's a dream of mine to to hang out with Jack. I'll be there with you. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's jump ahead to next week. So next Wednesday, you both are on a panel at Advertising Week New York called Do I Have Your Attention? Navigating Entertainment Marketing in an Era of Content Abundance. Those last two words intrigue me. Content abundance. We live in a in a time when you know, there is so much. And I remember back when, you know, and this is going to date myself horribly, but there was three channels on the television. And if it wasn't on there, well, you go read a book. Right now, there is more content than I think anybody could ever hope to consume. But it's not for a lack of wanting to try. Tell me about the panel and tell me about content abundance. How do you navigate that? Well, we are really excited to be back at Advertising Week in person. Uh, and, you know, we, we started this partnership with uh, Matt Schechner and the team at, at Advertising Week last year, uh, and the thesis really behind it was how could we put a spotlight on the various activities and clients across UTA's platform that are interacting and touching what is become known as this universe of the creator economy. And it was a great success. And as we look to this year and we felt like what's changed uh, and some of what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast um, sort of led us to want to rally around this theme of sort of the new business of entertainment. And we're really excited to be bringing out some incredible uh, speakers, uh, friends, clients uh, across the platform of UTA from uh, Keenan Thompson to Jose Andres to uh, some of our esports stars at FaZe Clan uh, and, and a handful of others. And you know, one of the things that David and I in particular are really excited to talk about and harping back to the point of your question is the opportunity for brands and long-form storytelling. And as over the last year, uh, as streaming disruption has continued uh, and there had continues to be an even insatiable appetite from the creator community to want to work with brands to tell longer form stories uh we we think there's tremendous opportunity for brands to 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 play to play the game uh, i think just a couple of months ago we saw apple make an overall deal with nike uh, which was i think the first time a major streaming platform has made a, a first look production deal with a brand and so I think it's a real nod of what's to come and the opportunity for brands ahead is, is tremendous. David. No, I mean, I really agree. And I, I think actually, you know, Julian's point about the, the Apple Nike partnership, I think it's actually uh, not just the first time a streaming platform, but really any platform has, has made the, the type of commitment, um, whether it be a studio or, or traditional network. So I think that, that those, those opportunities and those ideas, I think, have have really created a little bit more focus for brands around um, 
what permission do they have to tell stories and, and what stories do they have permission? Of course, you know, there's been an insatiable appetite around really compelling sports content uh, and, and, you know, of course, live sports in general. And so it's only natural that, you know, a brand like Nike, who's long celebrated, you know, great stories in their advertising would think about that in a different way. So I, I think it's a, it's a challenge for all of us, um, but a real opportunity to focus on not necessarily converting what was traditional advertising into premium content, but really reimagining and rethinking. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, for our practice is just, is incredibly exciting and, and something that uh, when we come back next year, hopefully we will have more <laughs> to share on that, that, that we'll have more great examples of brands showing up and, and being able to connect with audiences, um, you know, despite the, the sort of endless, you know, stream of content that exists. Well, that brings me to my final question. This is a fun one. David, we'll start with you with this one. In a world of content abundance, you have two hours. What are you going to consume? <laughs> that is such a great question. I think two hours, honestly, isn't enough. Um, <laughs> you know, I think for me, I'm excited. I haven't leaned in. Uh, I was a big Game of Thrones fan, but I have not yet started House of Dragons. So that's certainly kind of next on my uh, to-do list, although I think that probably runs somewhere in the 10 to 15 hour range. Um, but I, I will say on the more practical side, certainly live sports. You know, I think that we, um, it's incredible. I was at the Rams game on, on Sunday in person, which was, you know, just such a refreshing experience. And, and I think um, sports has done such a great job of bringing that sports experience into the home that uh, that I'm excited to continue to see great, you know, great athletes, great stories. And um and that's how I would spend my two hours. Excellent answer. Julian? Well, I'm still binging the uh, Game of Thrones sequel, catching up on that. Um, but I think, you know, I, I've really taken a liking to uh, Alex Cooper uh, in her podcast, Call Her Daddy, uh, which I think is the number one or number two you know podcast in the world right now. And this, I think it was two weeks ago she did just this incredible take uh, and story on um, what's going on in our country as it pertains to the abortion issue. And uh, I highly encourage people to check it out, uh, independent of what side of the fence you're on. Um, but uh, to, you, you can see the diversity of my, <laughs> my entertainment, um, but that's what I'm currently tuned into. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you both at Advertising Week next week, and I appreciate you being on the on the show again. You know, next time let's try and land on the day, so we can uh, you know <laughs> accomplish that. That would be a, that would be quite the accomplishment, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for having us, Richard. Take care. Thanks for listening. For more content like this and to learn about Advertising Week's world-leading events for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, visit www.advertisingweek.com. Chaptering and other structural elements for this podcast are powered by Snackable AI. With the ability to unify all content in one place, have AI distill the best insights instantaneously, and share them seamlessly, businesses on Snackable create more relevant value for their audiences faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai.